Welcome to Research Uncensored, a podcast by Research FDI, your trusted investment attraction and business intelligence partner. Join me, Bruce Tackethman, and my co-host, Amber Hunter, as we bring you behind the scenes with economic development professionals around the world. We're going to find out the real stories behind the project wins and get to know some of the top players in the game today. We would like to thank the Next Move Group for sponsoring today's podcast. Next Move Group helps small to medium-sized companies, communities, and organizations create economic growth through executive searches that assist economic development organizations with hiring quality EDO professionals. They also provide site selection services to manufacturers, in addition to a suite of products designed to help organizations be successful. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. Joined as always by my co-host, Amber Hunter. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing today? Pretty well. It's a beautiful day in Montreal today. It's a great day to be in quarantine. (laughs) It always is. But what's going to make it a little better is we're feeling kind of proud of our next guest. We're feeling St. Thomas proud because we have Sean Dyke, the CEO of St. Thomas EDC, joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, Sean is a great guy. He uh, does a lot for his community. He's one of those economic developers. He's the CEO of St. Thomas in Ontario. And he he kind of puts his money where his mouth is, if you know what I mean. He he volunteers. He manages so many charities. He He's active in the community. And I think all of this work that he does, all these blood, sweat, and tears that he puts into the community have really started to show in the amazing amount of projects and uh, new investments that the community has seen. So I'm really excited to hear a little bit about what goes into his decision-making process and, and how he comes up with these great initiatives that really you know, promote the region uh, to the rest of the world. He's a great guy. He's a man of the people. And today, he's a man of research on censors. So let's go ahead and bring him on. Okay, let's dial in. All right, let's welcome our next guest all the way from St. Thomas, Ontario. Sean Dyke, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, Bruce. How are you? Pretty well, pretty well. How's, how's Tanya and the kids back in St. Thomas? They're doing good. Went back to school for the first time yesterday, and uh, fingers crossed that they'll get to stay there for the rest of the school year, but I think there's lots of, uh, lots of stuff up in the air with that. Do the kids in St. Thomas have to wear a mask, or they don't have to? Yep, full mask uh, indoors, outside they're okay. Uh, teachers have to as well. Here in Quebec, actually, you don't have to wear a mask in class. Actually, a big controversy around here. Uh, basically, kids could go maskless, which is, uh, I guess, you can imagine not yielding the best results right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's again, I, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of science behind some of that, and I think there's a lot of politics around it. So I, I try to stay out of it and, and see what happens. But uh, obviously, we all hope our kids stay safe. And uh, my wife's a teacher too, obviously. So it's uh, we're we're all hoping that she doesn't bring anything home. No doubt. And I think, uh, I believe you and your wife, you met at the University of Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, right? We did. Nice. So uh, you finished your degree over there. Uh, then from there, you made the decision together to kind of move to Japan and teach. Uh, what kind of drove your decision to uh, go to Japan? And could you speak Japanese? <laughs> uh, I'd say a lot of things came into play when we made that decision. But I think as someone who loves to travel and explore new cultures and destinations, I think the adventure of it was the real driver. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to be part of a program called the Japan Ex- Exchange and Teaching Program, or JET program, which still goes on today. And it's it's run through the consulates in, in Toronto and in other cities around North America and across the world. Um, basically, it puts foreigners from English-speaking countries into public schools in Japan to help the Japanese English teachers and the students learn with native English instead of sort of a, a mixed Japanese English. 
although it's funny, there were a couple uh, Scottish and Irish guys there at the same time I was, and even I couldn't understand them, so I'm trying to picture what the students coming out of their classes sounded like. Uh, as far as speaking Japanese, when I got there, I didn't speak any Japanese, so it was a pretty interesting, immersive uh, lifestyle. I moved into a small community and uh, really was the only... There were probably three foreigners in a city of 150,000, maybe. Uh, but the high school students were nice enough to teach me a few things. And over time, I, I learned to get by pretty well. Uh, I think I probably sound pretty funny to some business people. If you can imagine imagine our high school students teaching, you know, a 40-year-old or plus, <laughs> I'm a little over 40, uh, just, you end up sounding like a little bit less than an intelligent teenager. <laughs> So you then made your way back to Ontario and took a position at the St. Thomas Economic Developing Corporation, where you're currently the CEO. Um, a common theme Bruce and I have been encountering is a lot of the top EDOs uh, in the industry right now had no idea what economic development was when before they got into it. I'm curious if that was kind of your route or was it a career that had been on your radar? radar? Yeah, I, I think I doubt there's too many young people growing up today or, or ever who dream of being economic developers when they grow up, and I, I suppose I didn't either. Um, although I will say that I, my kids watch what I do for a living, and I think they're starting to understand it a little bit. I, I can't even explain what I do to most people, but uh, but my kids see that they look at our job as something that's someone who's trying to benefit the community, and I, I think if I'd grown up knowing about that, then, then maybe it'd be something I'd be interested in. But anyway... When when I came back from Japan, uh, it turned out that a lot of companies looked at the work overseas as more of a holiday uh, than an asset. So it wasn't easy to transition back into a working life in Canada. Uh, so I took a job at a marketing firm in Toronto and realized pretty quick that I needed to be in a smaller community. So started looking out this way in southwestern Ontario. And it turned out the person who sat next to me in Toronto at that job was from St. Thomas. And she had a lot to say about the community. And, and so when the economic development job posting came up online, uh, it caught my eye. And so I, I ended up taking an entry-level role here as an economic development officer. And I guess the rest is history. Now, during your time at St. Thomas EDC, you joined a group called SOMA, the Southwestern Ontario Marketing Alliance. Talk about the importance of St. Thomas EDC being part of this group. And are you part of other groups in Ontario that, that do similar things? Uh yeah, so SOMA's been around for 20 years. Actually, we'll have our 20th anniversary in January of 2021. Um, so it's likely one of the oldest organizations of its kind in Canada, and I'm not sure across North America how, how many organizations like this have been uh, around that long. It's a it's a mutually beneficial partnership, and it, it's, it requires an awful lot of trust. So, I mean, really, we pool our limited small city resources with others who are kind of in the same boat as us, uh, and it allows us to have a much greater impact with FDI uh, while also developing, I'd say, a more significant profile in the U.S. and overseas. Uh, but I think more than all of that is maybe that the connections that we've been able to make with our SOMA partners, uh, you know, the other communities that are members all have people like us who are out there slogging and trying to get investment to come here to Ontario and then specifically into our communities. And we meet regularly to learn what's going on in each of our areas and that mutual trust that we share through the alliance, I, I think, turns that business partnership really into friendships. And, and I would say that, you know, the, the friendships and, and connections made through SOMA have been exceptionally strong. So there's, there's certainly value to me personally. And I think from a St. Thomas perspective, the, the, the being able to pool our resources and do a little bit more for less is a, is a huge advantage. Uh, 
in Ontario, there's a number of other sort of cluster groups that we've been members of. And I know you guys have done some work for, for all of them, I believe. Uh, so we're, we're members of the Manufacturing Communities Alliance, uh, the Ontario Food Cluster, uh, and the Edco Real Estate Investment Alliance. In the past, we've also, I know you've done work for us with the Clean Tech Alliance, which no longer exists. But all these groups, you know, there's sort of mixed uh, communities from across the province together in specific sectors. And, and we're pretty fortunate to be able to part of, be a part of it through SOMA uh, in a way that it, it really saves us a lot of money and time. Yeah, the SOMA group uh, seems like a very close-knit group. Uh, you guys are all peas at a pod. You traveled all across <laughs> the world from uh, the United States, uh, Europe, uh, South America, and Asia, especially in Japan, where you've kind of targeted automotive suppliers and spend, uh, as I mentioned, some time in Japan before. Uh, would you say your ability to communicate in Japanese, some of the executives, has helped uh, Soma recruit in Asia? <laughs> Honestly, I think the Japanese language ability comes in handier when we're in Japan and looking for a good restaurant or a bar. We're trying to tell a cab driver where we need to get to than in the business me- meetings. But uh, it, it goes over well when I can start a conversation in Japanese, maybe expressing our thanks to the hosts for meeting with us and giving them some basic information. Um, I think the the bigger advantage is the cultural awareness you get when you live overseas in, in Asia in particular, in that a lot of the Asian cultures and, and different countries have some similar nuances and cultural norms that are, are maybe a little bit different than how we do business here in North America. And uh, I've seen, I found that to be an advantage for sure. You know, I think uh, there's a real big credit to be given to you for how you've put St. Thomas EDC kind of on the map. You know, for a small railway city, uh, we know that you've made a really large presence for it known through your work with SOMA, through your uh, membership with IEDC and EDAC. Um, I know you've had a major investment win uh, with Element Co. uh, recently. I've also seen in the news that Jason Momoa was filming, which got at least St. Thomas written (laughs) about. (laughs) Can you kind of talk about some of the steps you've done over your career and at the helm uh, to be putting this region on the map? Sure. And actually, the Jason Momoa thing was really fun. He's uh, he's actually, I don't know if he's here right now. I don't know what the rules are on, on filming in Ontario just yet for, for American groups, but um, they're filming the Apple TV series C here. And the uh, the neat thing on it for us was that the hits on our website increased by like 4 million percent overnight when uh, wow. when that got announced. So that was amazing. I got to share that with my board of directors and, and have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, but I actually, I mean, I started here in St. Thomas in 2004. So I've been here 16 years. And in, in when you're doing this role for for that period of time, I think the city or any municipality that you work in becomes a part of you, you know, with a, with a mission of trying to improve the quality of life for a city that I'm working to raise a family in and having my own life in, uh, it, it becomes very simple uh, to, to get wrapped up in the work that we do and, and really have it become part of your own identity. Uh, and it's been, it hasn't always been positive. I, I certainly can't take credit for, for everything that's gone on over the last eight years or eight or nine years. But, uh, you know, if I'm going to take credit for that, I probably have to take credit for the, the major downturn we experienced too. Uh, we, in 2007 or so, uh, three years after my after I started here, we had two assembly plants, automotive assembly plants, close. We lost an additional seven or eight thousand industrial jobs in our community. So, a community of forty thousand people at that time, only thirty five thousand people, losing eight thousand industrial jobs in a period of you know a year or so was a pretty big hit on on the economy here locally. Turned our industrial area into a bit of a ghost town. Uh, really, the wheels fell off our automotive sector here for a little while. With uh, with Magna really being the only 
one that stayed steady throughout the, the economic downturn globally. Uh, and we had millions of square feet of vacant buildings just lining the streets and available for, for sale or, or lease, and they were incredibly inexpensive. So I think probably what happened when, when I came on as CEO, when I, when I moved up into this role, the economy was coming back on on its own, and, and we happened to be in a very strong position. Uh, you know, I'm pretty fortunate to work with an amazing team here in, in a city that's more creative, resilient, and entrepreneurial than I could have ever guessed when I started here. And in our business, we sort of have to work with what we have. We can't, uh, we can't move the city to closer to the highway. We can't magically create a well-trained workforce, but we can certainly advertise and promote the heck out of it until people notice that we're here. And that's what we did. And eventually the the companies that were looking to, to grow at that time found that St. Thomas was the right place for them to be. And, and they, they located here. And now all of that vacant industrial space is full. New industries are, are continuing to see the advantages that we offer here. Uh, the one that you mentioned, the Element 5, it was a, was a kind of a right place, right time scenario in that we had the available land with rail access at a time when a lot of other communities maybe didn't have that. And when the provincial government was working with the company already on some environmental grants to help reach their sustainability goals. So St. Thomas was just the right fit. Uh, and that building is amazing. It's a, it's 150,000 square feet or so, and it'll be a super high tech building with, you know, tens of millions of dollars of, uh, high tech equipment in there. And, and it'll be great jobs for, for local people. And that's, that's really what makes our jobs fun. Well, that was a tremendous success. And uh, not only are you, have you been great, have you been very successful in gradually rebuilding the economy after the 2007, 2008 crash, you also give back to the community through various initiatives like the St. Thomas Sports Spectacular, which raises money to spend Canadian athletes to the Special Olympics. Talk about the importance of this event and some fun times over the years uh, being uh, on the board and chairing the event. Yeah, I wish I had the money to actually contribute a bunch on my own, but uh, but I guess what I lack in actual cash, I, I feel like I can make up for with the time and, and hopefully some expertise and, and some connections for, for that organization. Uh, the Sports Spectacular event, which has been around for, for over 40 years, and we're very proud and, and thankful to have yourselves as a sponsor uh, for the last number of years, um, has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in that time. And at the same time, I mean, it gives locals an opportunity to welcome celebrities from sports and entertainment to the community and gives people a chance to have a great time while giving back to, to it. Maybe a, a charity that doesn't always get top billing. You know, it, it's not the cancer society. It's not our local hospital. It's, it's special Olympians and it's uh, people with, with special needs. And, and that's not necessarily what people put at the top of their, their list as far as, as what to donate to sometimes. Uh, but of course, I do economic development, so I, and part of that is tourism. And so, having you know ten or twelve sports celebrities or entertainment celebrities come to our community every year gives us something to market as well. So, it, it's beneficial for me on two fronts. In, in that, you know, I've been working with Special Olympics since I was a kid, uh, helping out with with different events and, and activities, and and now having a chance to be on a board that that has that as their goal is uh, is actually an awful lot of fun. Any funny stories to share with any of the hockey players or athletes that have come through St. Thomas over the years? Most of the stories end up with them having a little bit too much to drink and, and maybe not not being able to get home as easily. Um, but nothing nothing really specific. I mean, we, we end up with some incredible athletes and some great speakers that come to town. Uh, I know you've had, you've had a chance to meet some of them. We, we've had wrestlers put people in headlocks. We've had arm wrestling competitions at you know, after or before the event, 
uh, it, it's an awful lot of fun to see some of the young people look up to their their idols sometimes and 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 really almost come to tears sometimes when they when they meet them. So I, I like that part. It's a it's a lot of fun. I just I've like to my, add. the last. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to add that this is Bruce's favorite event every year. The lead up and then afterwards, <laughs> it's he just he talks <laughs> nonstop about it. <laughs> well, it's been fun for me for the for the last two years. I've had my son Aaron doing interviews of the celebrities, and so he's twelve now. And uh, so he started when he was ten years old, just sort of interviewing the celebrities, and and actually interviewed Bruce as well. And it's been a lot of fun for me to watch him develop through that event too. And I I hope that through doing these things in the community, he can you know appreciate the fact that this is a fundraiser and something that maybe youth need to get involved with as they get older too. No, it was a lot of fun. We actually had actually had the chance last year to interview uh, both father and son. So I interviewed both Sean and Aaron at the same time. And it, it, it's weird. I've been at the, going to this event now for six years. And every year, Aaron gets a little bit bigger and a bit more confident going to the celebrities. So it's been kind of cool seeing him grow, grow, grow up over the years at this event. But most importantly, we're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, like you said, for Special Olympians. Uh, another thing you do, I notice on social media, for some reason every year, um, you sleep in your car. Talk about why you do that. You've only heard about the times I've done it for charity. Uh, so every February for the last few years, three or four anyway, uh, the Sleepless in St. Thomas event has run uh, to raise money for Local United Way, uh, which is another group I have a lot of time for, uh, given the number of, of different groups in our community that they support. Uh, they really enable our, our community groups to, to fundraise effectively and, and really offer programming for those most in need in our community. So February in Canada is cold. I, I know some of your listeners may be from the, the sunnier south. And February here, this past year at least, it was like minus 20-something Celsius. And uh, I suspect that's why we're able to get so many sponsors, because they're willing to see a few of us suffer uh, and put their dollars behind it. Uh, actually, the, the heart of this community always amazes me. And, and that event grew from one that probably started off raising a few thousand dollars to now raising probably forty or $50,000 each year. So uh, I, I love supporting events like that. And, and making charity fun is, is something that I'm very interested in. Another great initiative that kind of lasted the test of time. Uh, back in 2015, uh, the St. Thomas EDC team uh, created the St. Thomas Proud Campaign, which was a grassroots effort to have the citizens of St. Thomas, Ontario, express their civic pride on social media. Since then, obviously, thousands of tweets, Instagram posts, and Facebook uh, posts rallied the community together. Who thought of this campaign? How did it come about? Uh, it came about at our one of our team meetings here in my office. I we were sort of brainstorming a little bit about how to change the tone of the, of the community. And I, I, what I mean is, you know, when we mentioned before how the community was coming back pretty strongly from, from the downturn uh, in 2015, we were having record levels of growth. And yet when you talk to people on the street, all of the commentary was negative. When you looked at the news, it was always the CBC would come to St. Thomas and talk about the Ford plant closing. Nobody would talk about all the positive growth. So we, we needed to find a way to, to change the messaging and, and to change the way that we were perceived by not only the external groups that were looking to come here, but our own community itself. Uh, you know, if we can't sell ourselves using our own people, then, then we weren't going to have much success on an FDI standpoint ever. Uh, so we, we launched it kind of with a goofy video, and it had me working in different factories around the city, and uh, that took off pretty well. Uh, and then we started a social media campaign that, like you kind of mentioned a bit, is 
in the first year that we were running it, uh, one of our local celebrities, Rachel McAdams, showed up on Instagram on the day of the Oscars in a year that she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress and then ended up winning Best Picture for, for Spotlight that year. Uh, she didn't win the Supporting Actress one, but uh, you know, when you have a celebrity of that stature on the day of such an important event for, for the entertainment community, pushing our St. Thomas Proud messaging. Uh, it was awesome. And it ended up in some major magazines uh, across North America and certainly was shared an awful lot on, on social media. We've also had, and Joe Thornton's put some stuff out about St. Thomas Proud before. We've had some NASCAR people do it. Um, and really what, what's been really cool about it, it hasn't really cost us any money. Uh, it's been entirely grassroots. We've, we've put up a billboard. That's about it. We sell t-shirts. We've, we've got uh, St. Thomas proud packages now that, that sort of market some of the positive things in the community. And, and we've just kind of run with it. And eventually I expect it'll, it'll fade, but it, it hasn't really shown any signs of fading just yet. I was watching Mean Girls over my uh, summer holiday with my wife, and I'm like, Rachel McAdams, she's from St. Thomas, and that's, and that's because of the St. Thomas Proud Initiative. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> no comment on your choices of movies. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good local celebrity movie. <laughs> Listen, I've watched it 12 times. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, any uh, <laughs> any uh, really creative uh, St. Thomas Proud post you could think about from the community? Uh, we've had a few neat videos that have been put out there. We've had uh, we had one in particular. There's a one of our uh, local business people. He actually started his own business called Saint T, and so he's he's running with his own brand now. But uh, when he first started trying to be a promoter of the city, he he's a singer and a, and a, a rapper or hip hop artist. I'm not entirely sure what. <laughs> what uh, what it fits into, but he created a uh, a rap uh, about St. Thomas Proud, and it was it was a lot of fun and, and got a ton of uh, social media. And we ended up inviting him out to some events to to perform in front of our local business people, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And again, the the new brand that he's put out there, the St. T brand, is really neat. He's got uh, Jumbo or elephant that got hit by a train here. That's uh, primary, you know, very proudly focused on the front of his t-shirts and uh, the railway theme stuff. He, he's really doing quite a bit to, to help promote the community. Yeah, I find in St. Thomas, there's a lot of very creative entrepreneurs. Um, one of the great companies you have in your community is obviously uh, a railway city beer. I could, I could drink that all day. It's, you know, what a great brewery that local brewery you guys have. You have a lot of creative companies, but obviously this year has been like any other uh, St. Thomas will once again have to be resilient like it was back in two, 2008. How has the city been resilient in the face of COVID-19 and how has the EDC adapted to help them? It was, it was a tough adjustment initially, to be honest. I, especially for, for people like myself who are always out marketing and, and talking to people in person. I, I find that the hardest piece where, you know, we're doing everything by telephone or virtual conferencing now and um and sitting here in in an office or in in at my home watching companies fail uh isn't something that we're all that keen on doing uh, again when you when you live and work here for so long in the type of job that we work in it, it really becomes part of you and, and you don't want to see anybody fail so we we sat down as a team virtually uh, initially and we tried to come up with some ways that we could help directly you know the we weren't going to be able to save the, the big industries. We're, we're going to have to kind of be on their own. There's not much a small group like ours could do to help those guys. And they ended up being being fine. I mean, they had to shut down for a little while, but they're all back up and running. And we didn't lose any, which is fantastic. Um, but we, we knew the small business community was was, going to, was in trouble, um, especially once we started looking at their websites and, and their online shopping options. They uh, It turned out they, they most of them really didn't have a very good online presence. So 
we created our own funding campaign and program with some partners to, to work towards that and helping local companies have a better online presence and, and, and really increase their their online shopping component of their business. And it really helped some businesses. And, and we were, you know, it's, it's one of those things at the, at the really low grassroots level to be able to see an impact that you make. It, it actually feels, it feels really good. And it, it's a, it's a nice success story to be able to share with our board of directors. And then during the time, we, we also realized that now is probably the time to to really work on product development. And in our case, obviously, the product is is the city uh, and the look and feel of our community. So we, we engaged in a very significant mural, like street art program. And we were able to secure $250,000 in private funding, plus another $50,000 in, in federal or provincial funding. And uh, so we've been able to, we've now got 24 23 murals completed in the city, and we've got a 24th going up right now. So we're on our way to becoming, per capita at least, the street art capital of Canada, and and that's something that we're pushing towards and and really trying to drive and promote that creative economy that we have here in the community. Do you feel these changes you made are here to stay, or do you think once this pandemic is over, it's kind of going to be like business as usual? I think some things will stay and, and some won't. I mean, we've... We've changed in some ways. We've changed how we we deal with with people. We we aren't obviously meeting in large groups. Uh, from a tourism standpoint, the events component of what we do is is a real struggle. Uh, we you know with events like Sports Spectacular or we we actually had booked to have a, a large circus tent come to the community this year, which would have probably brought you know ten or twenty thousand people into into the community to to watch the circus. Uh, these are things we can't do right now, and, and I think we we accept that. Um, our business groups aren't able to get together as easily as, as they used to be able to. And, and I think connections, in order to keep connections strong, we've got to keep, keep going with some other types of events. Uh, we actually have a golf tournament here tomorrow, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm looking forward to that and getting out and actually seeing real people. Uh, so I, I really hope it, it goes at least somewhat back to the way it was. It was, it was certainly a lot more fun, and, and I think business was, was definitely thriving. But at the moment, business here in town knock on wood is, is doing really well. Our, our community right now in 2020 is having the best year ever uh, as far as new builds in the community, whether it's uh, industrial or uh, residential. We're going to see more housing starts this year than we've ever seen in history of the community. Uh, so, I mean, things are, things are looking up and we're last year was a record year. This year will be a record year. And I, I can only hope that the future looks the same. Well, Sean, it's, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. And I think, you know, hearing about these, these great things that are happening in St. Thomas, I think it really speaks to how you've been able to couple community development with economic development and kind of prioritize both of those uh, impacts. So it's really great. We'd love to know if there's any way you could share with our listeners how they could maybe learn a bit about some of these initiatives you discussed, uh, some of these charity events, um, or how they could contact you if they had some questions. Sure. I mean, we were online at st-thomasedc.on.ca. I know that's horrible. Um, uh, Soma is reachable at somasite.com. Uh, and we we have pages on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, we are selling our St. Thomas Proud packages right now, which really highlight some of the, the St. Thomas uh, businesses that have been able to, to thrive throughout the, the downturn. So we're, we're out there, stthomasproud.com. Sean, we're certainly proud to have you on the show and stay safe and hopefully we'll see you on the other other end, my friend. Well, thanks to both of you and thanks for all the work that uh, you and your company do for us in, in uh, trying to push that, that message that we're trying to get across across the, around the world. 
Thank you all for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.researchfdi.com, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter at ResearchFDI. Tune in next week as we have another guest from the economic development world. 